I, this whole opening with the three of them sneaking in in their underwear and the parents all being up, this is also, I want to commend the writers here because to me this feels very Archie Comics, but flipped in a way that is, there's a sinisterness to it and a really scary high stakes. But this absolutely feels like a scenario that I would read in an older comic. And that's great. Some of the most responsible parenting we've seen in the entire series. Absolutely. Yes. You know, these parents aren't off doing bullshit things. They're up when their kids are home at three in the morning. and gals and welcome to another episode of XOXO Riverdale and I'm Louis Perlman milady <laughs> thank you for letting me go first I Good did sir. I was very chivalrous with you <laughs> as I'm doing a reverse from last week where I felt bad so don't feel bad I was the one that set the race <laughs> so this is your favorite Riverdale podcast hosted by the only two people that are still watching the show it's true. Yeah, from our from our quarantine bunkers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are doing a watch along. We're three quarters through season four right now. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and, and we're adults. We're way too old to still be watching Riverdale. Both far too old. I'm in my late 30s. Kate is in her, in early, her early 30s. 30s. <laughs> yeah, but... You know, we're having fun. We're really having fun with it this season, I feel. I think so, too. And also, I do want to note to the fans, I'm not sure how much fun we have on the podcast compared to our catch-ups before the podcast. That's true. We are having a lovely time spending time together because we are, you know, friends and co-workers. It can happen. It can exist, my friends. It Work can. hard, play hard. Yeah, work hard, play hard. Absolutely. Which is a real red flag if you're job hunting right now, but for us, it's not. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, Kate, uh, you have some cool Riverdale, like, overall news for us. Oh, before we get into, sorry, I should say which episode we're covering. Right. We're covering, uh, I think it's chapter 71, One. How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can follow us on uh, all social media of your choice. You can rate TikTok, and re- because we agree with President Trump. Sorry. <laughs> we're just too old for TikTok. That's why we're not on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not on TikTok because that's right, because we're really anti-China on this podcast. Um, yeah, and also, you know, please rate and review us if you're enjoying us on the podcatchers of your choice as well and subscribe. It really helps us out. Again, only if you're liking us. Yeah, yeah, And if well, if you don't like us, we just want you on up. the podcast to fight on. with us. Yeah. Or- you can move on. There's three other Riverdale fan podcasts. So Minimum. Oh, God, there's way more than that. Yeah, there's. I think there's like three more active ones that I've found other than like us. There's like four that are like active and doing stuff still. Okay. So, so, Kate, what's going on in the world of Riverdale? 
Talking about other people in their 30s, Cole Sprouse is not quite there, but he did turn 28 this week. He did. And everybody sent him such nice birthday greetings via Instagram. Yeah, he's the same age as my new baseball boyfriend. So that's exciting for him. Oh, that's so nice. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I loved specifically uh, Skeet Ulrich's. I did uh, not see it. Oh, it was just really cute. It was about how much he loves animals and uh, how he's just a wonderful person in the world. And it made me really happy. Uh, also, Cole get, uh, wished his brother, Dylan, a happy birthday and posted this incredibly weird picture of them in what looked like a child metal band from, the, from when they were like four years old. Oh, yeah, that sounds... They can't be nice to each other, which is perfect. and I love it. What do you mean? Like they oh, can't... they're just like on, like on, they're just so mean to each other on social media. They're like Rob Lowe's sons to Rob. Lowe. Oh yes, like, yes, yes. They are. They're they're quite bitchy to each other on social. They're media. incapable of sincerity. Absolutely. Sorry, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, did I freeze? Did Awkward you... pause. <laughs> so Madeline is uh, shilling for Fabletics. Yes, good for her. Uh, yep. The line she is modeling is called Blossom. Yes, I saw that. It's cute enough. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> right. Yep. And then I have a little uh, community moment that sort of relates to Riverdale mm-hmm. that I thought was fun in the moment. Which yeah, this is, is Kate's, um, Kate's community corner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the first season, Abed and uh, Jeff get really drunk. And in the morning, Abed can't remember the title of the breakfast club, which uh-huh. is funny. And then he's like, the scene ends with him like I can't even remember who stars in it Mary and I was like oh and then he says Margaret and then he says Molly Ringworm and I'm like all of this tracks (laughs) yes (laughs) like yeah her name is Mary on Riverdale and Molly Ringworm is about right yes (laughs) she does a lot in this episode we're gonna talk about it it's a lot yeah we're gonna talk about it so let's get into it yeah uh how to get away with murder first of all what, how do you feel about this episode? What did you think about it? Write down a lot, but I don't No, I feel like there wasn't a beep story. There wasn't a B story. Yeah. Like I felt like there were like little hints of like, this could be something. And I was like, now we're just like all a story. And I, for an hour show, like that's not great. Like if a sitcom can do a B story, then like this could have done a B story. Kate. Uh, we are going to disagree here. I love this. But I what thought, was the B story? I thought that this was one of the strongest episodes of the entire series. Louis, what was the B story? Well, what I liked about it is that they did weave in other plot lines of the characters, but it was all framed within this major crisis that the currently core three are going through. And this is sort of what I wanted, actually, in the last episode. So it I'm very nice. happy they did it in this episode. It is nice that Archie and Veronica acknowledge each other. It's great that Archie and Veronica acknowledge each other, but we got plot lines, you know, for example, about Mary Andrews. We got a really interesting, I think, dynamic plot line in the Lodge family this week as well. But it was all framed within this context of the fact that there's something really, really hard going on for these three characters. So I thought that this episode actually had a really sharp writing focus and it treated its characters really 
really kindly and smartly, mm-hmm. which I appreciated because it wasn't bananas. And I think that I think this episode actually felt it was one of the episodes that felt closest to me like season one. That is true. In a way that I thought was really good, yeah. I think that at the end of the season, we will find that the people who we believe know about what's going on with Jughead does not track, though. As in, you feel that the writers didn't figure this out properly, or Or, as in, we were wrong? (laughs) No, as in, I think the writers didn't consider things. Like, there's things where, like, if we agree that, like, oh, Archie and Betty know, then why are Archie and Betty having these conversations as though neither of them know? Totally. Like, if they both know, they don't need to be having this conversation, except for expository for us. And it just feels weird. I am absolutely keeping my fingers crossed that they plan this out properly and that the end of the season is going to come together like a well-oiled machine and we're going to have our jaws open. Yeah, I have a little see Because this show does not have a good track record of that being the case. Yeah, I have a little flow chart right here, a little Charlie Day things connecting about who I think might know about what's going on. And the answer is everyone or no one. Yeah, either no one knows or everyone. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, so Jughead opens with this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Yes, and in a way it has all been leading to this in this season. Yeah. Uh, but My also, name- let's just let's just point out, Jughead is narrating. Yes. And this has been a motif in the show before, where mm-hmm. we thought Jughead was dead, and then he narrates. Yeah. So I, but I'm very interested to see how Jughead has escaped the Grim Reaper this time around. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a lot of questions that I think won't be answered. Um, sure. I did note that they drove to this party because Stonewall is seven to 300 miles away. Yes, exactly. Of course. Um, and they all drove in Archie's two-seat pickup truck, all four of them. Of course, you know, Uh, it's classic. Yeah, so they all come home and they all have different stories because they didn't coordinate, which means at least one of those three people does not know what's going on. Yeah, and, you know, they're in shock and they're traumatized, so they don't talk about whatever is actually going on. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing about this episode. This puts the three of them, this sort of opening situation, puts the three of them really at their most, like at their lowest point. We've really seen them in the entire series, I would say. And Mm -hmm. they're most easily, you know, they're easily manipulated in this episode as well. Yeah. And I like that. I think the stakes are so high here for the three of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I felt that There's part of it. So when Betty gives her story about it being like a toga party and Brett spilled wine on her and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she's up in her room and it implies that Betty doesn't have the stomach for murder, which doesn't track. (laughs) Does it not track? Well, like we just because she's, she has this uh, past of violence. Do we think she's getting used to it? I think well, like she murdered murdered her dad and the cat like she's been in a nut that like why is like it's understandable that like this is her boyfriend she loves so this is what makes her sick but i think murder in general is not what makes her sick yes yes it's uh sad trauma is maybe what makes her sick instead absolutely yeah. uh this whole opening with the three of them sneaking in in their underwear and the parents all being up This is also, I want to commend the writers here because to me, this feels very Archie comics, but flipped in a way that is 
there's a sinisterness to it and a really scary high stakes. But this absolutely feels like a scenario that I would read in an older comic. And that's great. Some of the most responsible parenting we've seen in the entire series. Absolutely. Yes. You know, these parents aren't off doing bullshit things. They're up when their kids are home at three in the morning. Yep. Absolutely. Um, So they're having their little meeting um, where, again, someone in this group doesn't know what's going on. Otherwise, they would not need to be having this conversation. Yes. And, and yeah, one of them doesn't know what's going on. Some of them know, maybe, maybe none of them know. Maybe I want to posit the theory at this point that maybe none of them know except for Jughead. Literally none of Stonewall knows. None of, I have a feeling maybe Brett isn't on it. Maybe. Uh, But we figured out last week that Archie had to know because he had to check his pulse, Jughead's pulse. Yes. To say he's dead. Unless Jughead ate some sort of fucking bullshit root that stopped his heart for three minutes or some shit you know they'll have to give him the like opposite to start his heart again thing like that is fair that's totally fair someone besides Jughead has to know that is fair yes if Juggy is indeed faking his own death which I really do believe he is yeah and I would really like Archie to be the one that knows because he's been such a dumb stupid idiot for four seasons absolutely for Archie to be like no I got it (laughs) yeah um but then, like, Kevin comes by, and they're very mean. And then they're like, no, let's be nice. Otherwise, we're spooky. I don't know. And then Kevin announces that he knows what the musical is, but they don't tell us. And I know. What a cliffhanger. Yet. What a yeah, cliffhanger. But, like, it just felt like they didn't know yet. Yeah, they may not have known yet. That's they, totally fair. We, know, we, also, we also learn in this scene that <laughs> Betty has called Charles to help. Yeah. Which now, is- Charles has, there's this big hanging plot line. Charles has a major ulterior motive to helping Betty. Right. So Charles could really be fucking up Betty's entire life in this series of episodes, which made me very anxious for Betty during all this. Because she doesn't know that Charles is in love with Chick, and that's gross. And they should go to jail. And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they gross? Because Chick sucks. And if Charles loves Chick then Charles also sucks because Chick is the worst. (laughs) And I'm sticking to that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So Mary has her friend Brooke Rivers over from their time at Sarah Florence. And this name, Brooke Rivers, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so good. And then I want to say that she's like, Archie, I heard you've been having trouble at school, so let me get you into one of the absolute toughest colleges in the country to get into, like a 2% acceptance rate. Yeah. Let me do this for you. And it's like, uh, he's not getting into the Navy. He could join the Navy. But he's not getting into the Naval Academy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is not what is going to be happening here. Yeah, that's, that's, oh boy. Yes, yes. But, you know, Archie is dealing with it okay considering that he's freaking the fuck out with everything that's going on right now yeah and we don't even know yet of brooke river's full background at this point in the episode no we don't know yet but i had a feeling when she was introduced i was like oh i think i know what's going on here yeah so veronica comes into some um important lodge family business Mm -hmm. which is Updating Hiram's will, which I don't think she actually needs to be involved with 
for legal purposes until later, which we will address. But at this point, she does not need to be involved. This is, well, you know, if it comes to executor stuff, they need to be Right, we'll talk about that later because I have a lot of feelings about that. But at this point. Sure. And then she like rips it up and storms off and it's like, that was, that was a copy of it. Like, I think that she's just so up and down with how she treats her family between like, I'm so worried about you, dad. Like, I hate everything you do that like, pick a side. She also told Hermosa, just this is a great Veronica line to go crawl back to the Florida swamp. She oh was, yeah. Which I loved. From which she came. And then, and then we get Betty's fake phone call with FP. Right. Um, and then Betty is going to go plant that bug in Brett's room that has a flashing light. And right away you were like, he's going to turn off his lights to go to bed. And there's going to be a bright red flashing light from the dead person side of the room. Yeah, that definitely was an element that I thought that maybe like Charles and Betty could have dealt with better is maybe yeah. not use a bug that has a giant flashing light on it. I, I mean, you can get that. like a better bug from like thinkgeek.com. Yes, yes, yeah, they exist, absolutely. Yeah, it didn't need to be this. Well, just, so then we get this scene with Betty at, at, um, uh, Stonewall, Mm -hmm. and Betty is having this very, very tense scene with Donna, where Mm -hmm. Donna is just gaslighting Betty and completely deflecting. Oh, you don't remember what happened? Well, that's not what happened, and- I found this scene really well played by the two of them and really like sort of genuinely affecting and frightening and weird. I like Donna in a way I'm not supposed to. Uh, how so? How so? I think, I think she's like a really good villain. I feel like it's like- I love her as a villain. Absolutely. I think it's like in Breaking Bad towards the end when Walt was just like so bad to his wife that you were like, I can't even support this anymore. But like half the country was still like, yeah, that bitch deserves it. Mm-hmm. Like I- I feel like Donna is Walt in this situation and that I should be feeling bad for Betty Schuyler, but I actually did feel bad for Schuyler, but like that I'm like all the neckbeards who didn't feel bad for her. (laughs) Well, you feel, so you don't feel bad for Betty? I I don't, I think she knows what's going on. You think Betty knows what's going on? Yeah. I don't know if Betty's in on it. I think Betty knows. Okay, I, think, I hope Betty knows. I hope Betty we'll knows. We'll get to my flow chart. Okay, time. great, great. I think there's there's one person I think doesn't know, and I think, like, everyone else knows. Yeah, yeah, so you think everybody knows except for... Veronica. Oh, poor leaving Ronnie in the dust. Yep. Yep. But then, because then there's this conversation between Betty and Veronica where Veronica's trying to figure out, or I guess it's between Veronica and Archie. That's right. To figure out why Betty would pick up that rock with everything Betty knows. And it's like, so someone in this scene doesn't know what's happening. And then we, yeah, so maybe it's Veronica. It's Veronica. And then we bring it back to the Chuck Clayton plot line. Right. From season one. And I like that. I think that's great to loop it back to that. And that being like a pivotal moment in Veronica's relationship with Betty. Mm -hmm. And it making Veronica have to sort of like parse through. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, And then... We get to the scene with Betty and Evelyn. Yep. Where, uh, thank God there's no guard around listening because Betty just really incriminated herself in 17 different ways. It's totally true. But then, you know, 
Evelyn really has the upper hand on Betty and is totally freaking around in this scene. Yeah, I always forget too that Evelyn's supposed to be like 30. Yes. And so like that adds a total different dynamic that I always remember in retrospect because that actress doesn't look. Yeah, Evelyn's a grown woman. Yeah. And the whole thing is really creepy. And then Evelyn has a great line at the end of this scene where, you know, Betty tells Evelyn to go to hell and Evelyn says, I'm already in hell. Yeah. And there's a place for you here right next to old Sparky and all the other boyfriend killers. Oh, I just love the writing on this episode. I think it's nice and punchy and really genuinely kind of frightening. I, I like this. I like this episode. I also liked that this was like one of the only shows that doesn't slightly romanticize prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this, this show's dealt with in a very light teen drama way has dealt with the prison industrial complex, yeah. which is impressive for the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, so Betty goes to Charles and is like, Hey, what's going on? And Charles is like, Ooh, and I'm like, Charles. Yeah, Charles is lying. Yeah. Yeah, Charles does know what's going on. So now we do find out about who Brooke Rivers is. And Brooke Rivers is Mary's new girlfriend. Yep. And that's lovely. Betty's here now. Hmm? We can't get into this because Betty bursts in. I know. And Archie's so insensitive. But trying to be sensitive. And it's kind of a well-played scene. And it's sort of lovely on on all respects. Yeah. And I think it's handled quite well, personally. Yeah. I mean, with the fact that, once again, they're going through this incredibly, incredibly fucking difficult thing. Mm -hmm. And life still continues. Yeah, Betty doesn't wait for them to answer the door. She just lets herself in. Well, that's Riverdale. That's what they do, you know, those guys. And and then, you know, um, they leave together, Archie and Betty, because of whatever the fuck's going on. Right, because they have to go to Stonewall to fight Brett. That's right. And then we get this nice long shot. I thought this was a very well shot episode as well. There were a few shots that really stood out. I didn't mention it before, but there is a beautiful tracking shot of Betty up in her room at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. And then we get this nice long shot of Mary sitting on, you know, I think her kitchen table and she just lets out this sigh. And it is um, Molly Ringwald well-directed. You know, this is not Molly Ringwald. Doing her best. This is not Molly Ringwald being like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening here? Or Molly Ringwald, you're such a mess. This is like, yeah, we re- I think we really feel for this character in this moment. And she wants to make sure things are cool with her son. Yeah, and the fact that she's coming her. out and she has this new relationship, that's all a lot. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. So uh, Archie and Brett have this fight. Yes. And it ends with this line that maybe you know the reference, but I am not sure what the reference is because Brett says at the end, don't kill yourself, Elmo. Yes, I think he's just calling Archie Elmo because of the red, of hair. The red hair. That's that's the, that's the only way I, I looked into it. Yeah, that's pretty dull. Also, Brett in this whole scene looks really genuinely frightened. Like he wasn't expecting this. Yeah. And I'm wondering, it, once again, it's sort of, sort of tipping us off as to like, who knows, who doesn't know, what's going on. And Brett didn't anticipate this. 
he but wasn't also, like, ah, oh, here comes this asshole. Because that's just, that's more, that's a different clue when it comes to this mystery, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and Archie's very scary, of course, because he's a brawler. Yeah. And Brett and Donna uh, revealed that they knew the bug was there in this. Yeah, they found the bug. They're one step ahead of them. Yeah. Um, and then Mary gets a phone call from the headmaster over at Stonewall Prep that Archie's been in a fight. And why that headmaster knows Mary, uh, Andrew's phone number is beyond me. Well, it might be in the phone book. Well, because but, it's Riverdale and Riverdale's a small town. And he, yeah, I guess, and Brett was like, that is Archie Andrews? Like, is- Yes, I bet that the headmaster was like, what's happening? Are you okay? You're a student of mine. Yeah. Brett was like, this is who this is. Yeah. And maybe the headmaster took action. I find that believable. They're the only Andrews in the phone book. Well, they could have... Come on, Kate. They could have figured out who... They could have figured out her... I think you're being too hard on it. I think people's phone numbers are still around and listed. They could have called... They could have called, you know, Riverdale High and been like, we had a problem with one of your students. They have no regards to FERPA or anything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So... Then Mary and Archie are having this bedside chat and they're making sure everything's okay. And Mary asks Archie, like, what's wrong? You know, which I love because this just feels like a good parenting moment. And is this the scene where Archie, no, that happens later, right? Where Archie closes the, the curtains and says, I have a confession. Yeah, it's later. Okay, well, we'll get to it then. Yeah. Because the next scene is uh, Veronica telling Betty, telling someone that her dad's sick, and we still just, like, don't know what this illness is. Oh, yeah, the mystery muscle illness that's hurting. That's hurting poor Hiram. Yeah. Um, Yes. And then, though, we have the scene with Betty and Alice and F.P., Mm-hmm. where they really have to figure out, Betty really has to figure out why the phone is in her pocket. Yeah, or if she has to cover for herself for why the phone is in her pocket. Yes, she has to cover for herself. Which actually feels, considering they were like, the phone was off, that feels like pretty coverable. Just be like, I must have put it in there when we at the party, it died. I haven't worn that coat since. Like, it's, it, she really dug herself into a hole. She didn't need to dig herself She does, place. but then she gaslights Poor Alice. Alice must be feeling like she's going crazy at this point. Because because Alice is a pretty good investigative journalist lady. And with all the lying that Betty's doing, but I'm seeing this in Maiden's performance. Like, it's just like step after step of her being like, oh my God, I'm like literally doubting all sense I have of reality with the situation. Yeah. And I like that so much more than Maiden two seasons ago being like, I love the farm. I'm crazy now. You know what I mean? Like they're letting her play it grounded, which I'm into. Yeah. And then we have this like Betty being like, Joan must have given me the phone. And I'm like, no, she didn't. (laughs) It was a blind corner. Of course you ran into someone. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people run into each other in that corner, corner all the time. It yeah. is just like that corner that everyone knows you're going to run into someone if you're not paying attention. Yeah, it's Stonewall prep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Hiram uh, really just for, well, his dying wishes for Veronica and Hermosa to get along. And I loved this scene. I loved this scene. I like it when Mark Consuelos is allowed to play quiet 
and yes. genuine. But and then Veronica is now agreeing because Veronica doesn't have a landing point. She's just she just fills in the blank where she's needed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that this is hard. I think that this is probably a really hard moment for Veronica, where she's like, I know I need to hold my sister at arm's length because she's really a soap opera crazy. Mm-hmm. But I do need to work harder to not be so, you know, aggressive towards her. There's other tactics. And I think this is Veronica coming around to that. You know what I mean? To the best Mm -hmm. of her ability. Yeah. And then they found the bloody rock. Yeah. And more exciting, Jellybean's alive. I wrote that too. I'm so happy Jellybean's alive. Good for Jellybean. Because we haven't seen Jellybean since Halloween. Nope, and the only reason she's here is to talk about Halloween a little more. No, totally. Isn't that so funny? Yep. And then yep. she has, so she has the fake blood. And Charles, this is my favorite. This is like so like enhanced on the picture. He's going to send the rock to Quantico. Yes, he's going to send the rock to Quantico. It'll come back really fast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're switching the rock, which is just insane. Yeah. Completely insane. And now Charles is in on the fact that the rock was switched. Yeah. Well, I wonder if Charles knows what's going on and he's going to use it against Betty at some point. I don't know. Well, we knew he knew, but like, we don't know how much he knows about the mortar, but he knows about it enough to be like, you guys are being dumb idiots early in the episode when they couldn't match their stories. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. So he does have a lot of information about what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then, so we have this scene between uh, Veronica and Archie. Mm-hmm where I truly believe that Veronica does not know what is happening and that Archie and Betty do. Okay, cool. Um, but, so we find out that Barnard is considering rescinding admission because of the speakeasy that they already knew about. Yeah, I know. The one that the Barnard, oh, well, I guess it's a difference between it's Le Bon Nui and the- They're like, one speakeasy is one thing, but two speakeasy. I know, it's too much. You have a speakeasy empire. Yeah. I know, well, totally. We got a monopoly. <laughs> let me, hold on, let me read my notes here cause I, about who knows and why. Veronica does know. These scenes, just these conversations don't need to be happening. And Donna knows. But you're just conjecturing that? So here's, um, so Betty admits to Veronica and Archie about blacking out. Yes. And so, um, Oh, God, there's just so much going on here, which is that, so th- that, if all three of them know they don't need to be having this conversation, um, it's just for us. But I think that what Archie and Veronica didn't know about was the trigger word, and I think that's what moves it forward. Maybe, but then this also, so all three of them know because um, they couldn't have planted that rock into Betty's hands without Veronica. Archie couldn't, so Archie absolutely knows because he knew to check the pulse and say that Jughead didn't have one. Yeah. So that means that, and Veronica was with him that whole time they went to the woods together. So if they planted that rock in Betty's hand, then Veronica knows about that too. And then also Donna knows because Donna knows all about this rock and this murder thing, which means she had to see them like plant a rock in Betty's hands because Betty didn't do it. So, do you think that some of them know different parts of the plan? Maybe, but it's just, like, so many of them were in the woods that, like, maybe Brett doesn't know, but, like, 
Donna does know. Yes. Archie knows. Veronica knows. Betty knows. Eventually. Which leads to this being an extraneous conversation. Right, which means this conversation doesn't need to happen. Yeah. And this has been the past few episodes we've been having all these conversations that if people are in, it doesn't need to happen. And if people aren't in, then they really have a hole to dig themselves out of. (laughs) Yes, yes, we will see. You're right. They're getting into a really tricky mystery situation here. Yeah, they have a lot of work to do for themselves if people don't know. And in a shorter amount of episodes because the episode's getting cut short. Yep. So... Then they decide that maybe Charles can help because he's hypnotized her before to figure stuff out. Right. But this makes me really worried. And I wonder if Charles has implanted this image in Betty's mind of Donna blowing, you know, cat's breath at her or whatever. Devil's breath. Yeah. Donna knows. Like, why did this have to be a thing? Hold on. I'm reading about the medicine now because I was like, yeah, Devil's Breath sounds like serious stuff. Yeah, so the article I'm on on Wikipedia, it does say that Devil's Breath, based on the novel, the Devil's Breath directs you to this page, and now I'm reading about it. Uh, it's for post-operative motion sickness, uh, sometimes used before surgery to decrease saliva production. Oh. Let's get to some side effects. Common side effects, blurred vision, dilated pupils, and dry mouth. Uh, not recommended for glaucoma or bowel obstructions. Uh, bowel obstructions. Um, Does it say anything about loss of short-term memory? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm getting there. Uh, um, it's from the Nightshade family, which have been known to be used for the hallucinogenic effects, but not this is, it's just from that family. It's not necessarily... For this, um, um, adverse effects, tachycardia, chain constipation. It's not even in like the part of um, like really serious, like if you're allergic to it, like it's not even... It doesn't even. So this is a fictionalized use of this herb, right? That seems to be from a novel of a same name. Yeah, the over- overdosing just makes you puke a lot. Blurred vision is like the closest. Yeah. Oh, let's go to the history here. Um, it was not with morphine. Maybe they mixed the devil's breath with morphine. Yeah, well, it was recommended for early surgeries where they didn't know how to put people to sleep and they were just cutting off their limbs when they were awake. Sure. So, uh, didn't put them under. Yeah, that lovely time in the history of mankind. Yeah. Um, could, like, it used to maybe be used for hallucinogenic properties, but not really clear if it ever was. Um, yeah, the only history of it has been when it has been cut with roofies. Um, claims that high hyacine, which is what it actually is, is commonly used in crime, have been described as exaggerated or even implausible. There we go. Aha! <laughs> so it's a Riverdale plotline. It's from a exaggerated novel. Exaggerated and implausible and from a novel. Yet the 
Riverdale did not follow through on. Great. So then we get Betty and Donna confronting each other in the field. I love these, like, sexy, like, will-they-won't-they scenes with Donna and Betty in the woods. Me too. I like them too. And I, once again, think they're very stylish. Yeah. And doing what the show does best. And Betty says to Donna, you blew devil's breath in my face. And that's an amazing line. Yeah. And Donna says, you'll never know where the body's going to be found. Which means Donna knows where the body is. Absolutely. But why don't they know where the body is? They both know where the body is and they're having this conversation for no reason. Yes. Because that doesn't make any sense, right? Because Betty saw the body. Yep. Unless the Stonies dragged it away after they ran away or whatever. Which means they all know Jughead's not dead. Yeah, totally. So many people know Jughead is fine. Who are they tri- Who is this for? Yes, yes, we still don't know. Is it only to, like, take down the powers that be at Stonewall? Is it just for the board of shadowy figures? That could be, because they are assholes, those guys. And, like, it seems like Brett, maybe. But Donna... Well, I really hope Donna's the bad guy, because I love her as the bad guy. But I also like the idea of her playing bad guy so hard and then being in on it the whole time. Definitely. I I would be cool with that, too. For sure. For sure. Donna knows. And then so uh, they decide, the gang decides, well, Archie and Betty decide that FP needs to find Jughead's body, which means yes. now FP isn't on it. Yes, which we still don't know exactly why. Exactly. Right. Yes. Donna says, this, but the scene before, you'll never find the body. And mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we're going to find, quote unquote, the body. Yeah. So FP finds the body. Mm-hmm. And then... We've got this corpse, mm-hmm. and definitely that whole scene. Betty and FP are in the room with Jughead's corpse, and they yeah. don't seem that upset, right? And so, this well, and I also want to say the scene before is another one of those conversations where like Archie and Veronica are semi accusing Betty, and there's no one fucking around to like. If there's the only reason I could think is that they still don't know who sent those videotapes and they think that they're covering like mm-hmm. they covering their asses for that person. Maybe. But I also think they forgot that someone was sending videotapes. So- yes, yes. I don't think that's gonna get resolved this season at all. No. Yeah, yeah, we will see. And then we have the scene with Mary and Archie. Wait, but I want to go back to another. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm it's being so unchivalrous. <laughs> The coroner is in on it too now. The entire town was, it's like when that, there's like that story. You mean Dr. Curdle Jr. Yeah, there was that thing in like the 50s where there was some guy who was just like a menace to the town and like in broad daylight in a crowd, someone murdered him and the police was like, who did this? And the entire town was like, we don't know. Because yes. everyone hated him so That's much. partially the basis for the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street is that story. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's almost like what is happening now is like literally everyone knows, but who is the town police who's trying to solve this? Like, who is that person? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Is who are they trying to Yeah, I guess I guess once we learn who's getting tricked is when things will solidify, either yeah. in a way that's satisfying to us or completely unsatisfying. I have a feeling it will not be satisfying. I know, I want it to be satisfying so much because I'm really enjoying the season, to be honest. Like, certainly I like it more than season three and season two. Uh, now that the season's calmed down and is focused on its plotline, I think it's a good season. So I want it to succeed, you know? Yeah, I'm making a list right now of the people who we think don't know. Sure. 
and it's like Donna and that's it, right? No, I think Donna does know. I think Brett, Alice, Hiram and Hermione. Poor Alice. Poor Her- Hiram and Hermione. Hermosa. Yeah, well, Hermosa doesn't need to know. She needs to go back to her Florida swamp. Possibly JB, but JB's not a real human, so whatever. And then I feel like last week we were kind of up and down about whether Cheryl and Tony knew. Totally, who are not in this episode. Right, and whether, and Kevin is a question too. I don't think Kevin is factoring into this plot line at all. I don't think he is, I'm sorry, yeah. But yeah, so I made this list so we can follow because this episode started and I couldn't remember and then it was like, and then like the whole episode, I was like, wait, they know, they know, they know, they know, they know, they know, they know. Totally. So this is the scene where Mary acknowledges the trauma that Archie's been through in a very good mode of parenting. Mm -hmm. Like she's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And Archie- I just thought of another fucking annoying thing. If Dr. Curdle knows and FP knows and Betty knows, why did they do the dramatic drawback? Yes. Well, for us, absolutely. For us. And it looks like Jughead on that slab. And it is Jughead. He's just not dead. He's he's under a lot of makeup. Yeah. He somehow self-hypnotized himself. Everyone in the room knows he's not dead. So they're just lying him on the slab. And then do you think that they're, they staged that so that, so that Donna and or Brett sees it because they bust in. I, yeah, so I think that what it is, is they have the body covered like that, so when FP and Betty go in, it looks like there's a body, and that it will still be there like that when they leave, but mm-hmm. Brett and Donna coming in, like, fucked up when they were all just, like, having a fun conversation because they missed their friend Jughead. Mm-hmm. Um, which, though, but Donna does know, the question is if Brett knows and what Brett saw, because if Donna saw it, then, like, who fucking cares? The scene didn't need to happen. That is true. <laughs> You're right. So then Archie's on the bed with his mother. Did you know that? Archie's on the bed with his mother. And uh, Mary is being a good mom in the scene. Mm -hmm. Once again, much better Mary writing here than we've seen in the past with Mary. Mary writing, not Mary acting. She's fine, though. She's like, she's, she's, I'm not going to say that she's having some sort of turnaround and all of a sudden Molly Ringwald is good, but clearly Molly Ringwald is being better directed in this scene, you know? Uh The direct, you know, maybe Molly Ringwald has some bad takes here, but the director or the editor doesn't use any of them. Like in that episode where Molly Ringwald turns and it's a nightmare. So, so this is better. And then Archie says, mom, I have somebody to confess. And then he closes the curtains, which maybe means that he doesn't want Betty to see that he's doing this. So does, does Mary know everything now too? Should I cross her off my list of people who don't know? Yeah, Mary knows if Archie's confessing, but we don't hear the confession, and that's fun, and I love it. Yum, 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 yum. Um, so now we can talk about that, the Veronica and Hermosa being the executioners of the will, and what a bad idea that is, and that he should get a third-party executioner. Or exit, uh, yeah, yeah, um, it's not, a, it's an, uh, executor. It's executor, yeah. Executor, yeah. Yes, the Michas are, are his co-executors. What a bad idea. (laughs) But then, yes, and then this is the one part of the episode that I personally wasn't that into. Mm -hmm. When when Hermosa says to Veronica, no one defers Barnard. I wrote that down too. Yeah, like, what? (laughs) I will also say that here in the year 2020, I bet a lot of people are because they don't want to start their freshman year remote. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure there's reasons to defer Barnard. Oh, all the time. Yeah. People defer all the time for so many different reasons. Cut back to Betty in the forest, back in the forest with Jughead, where she's wearing Jughead's old jacket, which is right. lovely. With Donna. Yep. She's wearing Jughead's jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to take Donna down with her. Yes, because she's the ultimate wild card. Mm -hmm. She's the daughter of the Black Hood who's training with the FBI. So you better fucking watch out. She's coming for you, psycho bitch. Right. Love all of that. Love it. And they need to do... um, They need to get a step ahead of the preppies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they are now. Yeah, is to find Jughead's body, but mm-hmm. Donna knows where it is, so they're getting ahead of Brett. Apparently, yes. And maybe Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now they're just waiting for the privates to make their next move. They are, and that's the end of the episode. It is. Uh, once again, four stars from me, two and a half stars from Kate. Didn't love yeah. it. Yeah. So, Power and Crush list. So, my power list... It's just that so many people know what's going on. I have Betty, Archie, Donna, and Veronica. For power? Yeah. Yes, I have Donna and Charles. Okay. Especially Charles, because he's definitely the master manipulator here that we don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And it might throw a real crank into everybody's plans, you know? How about for your crush list? Hold on, I have another person who I think doesn't know what's happening. Who? The board of shadowy figures. Yes, they definitely don't know what's happening. And this might revolve around them, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I only have two people on my crush list this week. I've been having trouble week after week. Well, this has not been a very crushable few episodes. No. So yeah. I have Archie because I think Archie super knows and that he's being smart for the first time in years. Yes, I also have Archie. So I'm giving that to him and I have Donna. Ooh, because you love her because she's so evil. Yeah. Awesome. I have Betty mm-hmm. and Veronica along with Archie. Okay. Because underwear. <laughs> so oh, I wasted too. I'm like, good for it. I don't. Okay. <laughs> so next episode. To die for. Oh, I love that movie. I have not seen it and I have wanted to. And then there was like Ricky Lindholm recently was like, what's another movie like I, Tanya? And it was like the number one suggestion, which made me want to see it even more because I love I, Tanya. Yeah. To Die For is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's not a- streaming anywhere. It's from 95. Yep. Just Van Zandt and uh, Buck Henry. Yep. So a great pedigree and Nicole Kidman is the Ooh, lead. I love and she might be my favorite actress. Yeah. And she's awesome. Joaquin Phoenix and Matt Dillon who are like, not Nicole Kidman, but like our names. And they, it's about a, a weather woman who I think starts killing people. She, she hires Joaquin Phoenix to, hop, right. to kill Matt Dillon, who's her husband. That's right. I saw it when it came out. So it's been over 20 years now. Yeah. It's been right? Years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I remember just loving it. And I may rewatch it again in yeah, anticipation of next episode. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Love it. Great reference. Great reference to a great movie. Yeah. Well, this has been another episode of XOXO Riverdale. Yes, thank you, Angelina Mercado, for editing us so beautifully. And thank you to Louis Aronowitz, who composed our theme song for us all those years ago. Indeed. Once again, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, you can rate and review us on any podcatcher of your choice. 
We would love it. That would be just chef, chef's kiss for us. And you can interact with us via social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on it. TikTok, absolutely not. We're putting America first. No TikTok from us. <laughs> well, what we're, a, we're on Vine. We are on Vine. It's true. We're on Vine. Yes. Find us on Vine. Yeah. Remember Vine? I sure do. It was the best. Yeah. Vine was beautiful. Yeah, shout out to my favorite Viner, Brandon Calvillo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of XOXO Riverdale. I'm Louis Perlman. Thank you, Gatter. Bye. Bye.